If you can handle a little more excitement, I've got a scripture reading for you from Matthew, chapter 7, verses 21 through 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many good deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word of the Lord. If you've been around the church much in your life, today's scripture passage and the story of Noah that our amazing kids just showed us are familiar to you. These are stories that you know well. And familiar feels good. A friendly, familiar face is a great gift. Just come on down to the elementary, middle school, or high school environment for that matter, and you'll see this pattern play out every week. You'll see the power of familiar. A child walks into the environment and they scan the room looking for the familiar face. If that familiar face is found, they make a straight line toward that face, showing visible signs of relief that they will not be alone in the crowd today. If they do not find that familiar face, they scan the crowd, they immediately exit the room, wander the hall, head to the water fountain, and come back in and repeat the process. There's a reason you hear us often say, we want to know kids so kids can know God. There is power in the familiar. However, there is also another side of the familiar. We tend to take familiar for granted. We tend to think we know familiar and therefore can anticipate it and in many ways even ignore it. We stop listening to a familiar story after the first few lines. We know what's coming next and we rehearse the punchlines in our head. Everything we've learned floods in and crowds out any ability to hear the story of the person in a fresh, new way. A friend of mine often shares a quote by Paul Valerie that might be helpful here. To see is to forget the name of the thing one sees. To see is to forget the name of the thing one sees. This guy was a poet, so that quote might be a little more difficult than it needs to be, or that might actually be the point as well. There are things in our life we know so well that if we are ever going to see them with fresh eyes, we have to forget what we know and really try to look at it with new eyes. Let me see if I can illustrate this for us this morning. I have an eight-year-old daughter named Amelia. I've known Amelia her whole eight-year-old life, but Amelia's eight now. She's not six, and she's not four. And I can fill in the gaps of who Amelia is based on the knowledge of our relationship and the familiarity that we have. I can assume I know what her behavior is about or what she's trying to say. Or I can look her in the eyes and forget what I've previously known about her and look at her and say, hey, tell me more. Let me learn you all over again today. Now, I'll be the first to confess that I need to hear these words. I'm a lifetime church member. 
I got straight A's in Sunday school. I know the drill. I've memorized the punchlines. But here's the thing. Jesus has never asked us to memorize punchlines. He's inviting us to something so much more. So today, my invitation is let's forget what we know about these familiar stories and lean into Jesus and say, tell me more. Because the words of Jesus, though familiar, are never stale, but full of authority and life. As we look at Matthew 7, these are actually the last words of the Sermon on the Mount. So it might be important to remember what has come before. In previous chapters, Jesus has been doing the work of inviting the crowd to forget the name of the thing that they see. By saying numerous times, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount challenges the status quo, challenges what we think is true about life and invites us deeper. And he covers so many aspects of life in this teaching. Jesus covers giving, prayer, lust, divorce, oaths, the law, cultural hierarchy, fasting, money, anxiety, judgment. It's quite the teaching. And he wraps it all up with this passage that we read today. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Jesus has just given this great roadmap of how to navigate many areas of life, but he wants to make this clear. This isn't about just doing it the right way or saying the right things or knowing the punchlines. Many will come to Jesus and say, check out what we did, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. He goes on to compare a wise and foolish builder Those who hear what Jesus says and puts it into practice is wise, like the wise man who builds his house on a solid foundation. The rains and floods come, but his foundation is secure. But a foolish person hears these words and does not do them, and when the storms come, the house falls. Socrates, a great philosopher, is quoted as saying, an unexamined life is not worth living. Jesus here is inviting us to examine our lives. He sums up his teaching saying, don't just listen, but go and weave this into your everyday real life. Don't just learn something new and let it become familiar and stale. Hear something new and go and let it completely change you. Jesus is also drawing a line in the sand with these words between himself and the religious establishment of the day. This isn't about the surface righteousness of the Pharisees or merely following the rules of religion. No, this is about life in the kingdom and a life with and built upon Jesus. I'd like to read again with Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. And I want to invite you to hear this story, this familiar story in a new way. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message, we bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects, they had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves more important. You don't impress me one bit, you're out of here. 
These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Friends, these are not incidental additions to our life or simple improvements to our standard of living. These are foundational words, words to build a life on. So the question for you today is, what are you building your life on? Have you taken your faith for granted and allowed it to become stagnant and stale, existing only on the surface? Have you tuned out Jesus' words or memorized all the punchlines to the point where you can no longer see? In Genesis, we see that Noah walked with God and did all that God commanded him. Later, the writer of Hebrews reminds us of Noah, saying, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. God was not an incidental addition to Noah's life, but the rock that he built his life on. And can I add a sense of urgency to this today? I want us to think about the next generation, the generation that's being raised up in this church. Did you know the greatest asset our church has when it comes to teaching this next generation, when it comes to inviting this next generation, our kids and students, to know Jesus? Our greatest asset is not our worship style. It's not our budget. It's not our facilities. The greatest asset to help kids know God is people who know God. The greatest asset of our church is not worship style, budget, or facilities, or anything else. It's the people who know God. You. You are our most valuable resource. That's why I love that kids are here in the pews and at times run around the sanctuary. Because these kids have a front row seat to watching you know and worship God. And I know it's crazy at times. And parents, I know at times it's hard. And please, I know it's easy to lose sight of that when they're shoving a Moses finger puppet in your face. But hang in there. Because I believe there's more going on than we can sometimes see. Friends, this isn't just another rain story or just another familiar passage. In fact, if familiar is comfortable, these aren't the most comfortable passages. Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount not with shame or a wagging finger, but with an invitation. An invitation to be wise, to examine our life, to hear and do. In many ways, this might be our picture for the morning. Jesus is saying, don't go for this familiar and comfortable. Go for this. Go for my kingdom where anything is possible and you never know what might happen. It's deeper, it's riskier, it's scarier, but it's worth it. Don't let the familiarity of what we do here week in and week out keep you from following Jesus and living for the kingdom. Instead, listen with fresh ears, weave these words into your life for the sake of the kingdom, and for the sake of the next generation. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for a time of offering, will you pray with me? 
Father, in gratitude, we look to you and we say we give you our lives. We give you what we have. God, help us not to, as it's just our natural tendency, to take these things and make them familiar and stale, but let them come to life in us once again, that your kingdom might be multiplied through the gifts of our time, our money, and through the gifts of ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.